You know, Oz, last summer, I believe, I think it was a preseason episode, correct me if I'm wrong, we had Anders Anderson, former Benfica player, as a guest on our show to talk about passing of his good friend and the well-noted incident of Nicholas Fajer and his death in the middle of a football game. Yeah. Um, that also off to the back of uh, Nuri, the Ajax player who mm-hmm. was hospitalized um, after collapsing. And uh, we did a whole episode on it, so I don't want to go too much into it. Excellent episode. Go back to it. Uh, listen to it if you get the chance. Very sensitive episode too, man. Very sensitive, because but really good talk. It really Anders Anderson was like his best friend, you mm-hmm. know, and he was also playing in that game. And to talk up with him about that moment, you know, um, yeah, he was very brave in that interview. So check that episode out because it was very good, a very fascinating interview. But unfortunately, a similar incident happened again this weekend. Just thirty-one years old, David's story. Fiorentina captain. Shocking to hear his sudden passing in his sleep. It wasn't in the middle of a, a match or anything like that, but I think it was uh, on the build-up to a game. But, the, yeah. the Football Federation even started an investigation to see if this was any type of homicide, but um, after the autopsy, they find that it was natural causes and he had a heart attack in his sleep, mm-hmm. and which is a very scary Fought, man, you know, a, you know, young, well-trained physically, right? And that in the night, you know, it's yeah. it's very scary thoughts. And we from here on Oz and Kings Football Podcast wish his family, friends, the football world, everyone involved in this beautiful game um, our condolences mm-hmm. and may his soul rest in peace. Left behind a longtime girlfriend and I believe a two-years-old daughter. And the Italian Federation also, all games for that Sunday were postponed until a later date, uh, which I think yes, is the right thing to do. So, totally. good on them. Um, but a lot of stuff happened this weekend. We say it as every damn episode. Yeah, I mean, but, but <laughs> how much do you think, though? Like, if you think about it in the world, how much, how many goals do you think was scored this weekend in the world? Like, imagine, like, the Turkish League, Australia, South Korea, Japan... Uh, Africa, all the continents. How many goals do you think was scored? Uh, well over a couple hundred, I'd say. Million? No. No, seriously, a couple hundred. Uh, like, a, over a couple, like, over a couple hundred. That doesn't really make sense. Maybe between but, I mean, <laughs> five and six hundred goals. Five to six hundred goals in the top leagues. I mean, every league. Yeah, just in, like, first division leagues. Yeah. But in China... And MLS started, but the, yeah, but I mean, how many goals was scored in MLS this round? Uh, I don't know for sure, but uh, decent amount. Every game had, I think, I think the lowest scoring that I can think of at the top of my head, I could be wrong, was LAFC over Seattle, which was just one nothing. But I think every other game had at least two goals. See, so it kind of wraps up. Um, I mean, it's gonna be hard for us to find out the exactly scores of all the games and count them but yeah the point is there is a lot of shit ton of uh, goals that's happening yeah so it's right that every week we say a lot of stuff happened yes <laughs> and how many of those goals do you think were stunners like did you see that matage one oh against uh palace oh i mean he came right at the end too man mm. then 
United needed the three points. Did you really look at how much they celebrated and how much it meant to them? I did. I mean, it's such a crucial Which point now. Weird though. Do you think it really means a lot? I think so. I mean, right. I mean, I mean City's way ahead. They've won it. Yes. United have, or, the top four is pretty much guaranteed. Yeah. So what honestly did this, that goal mean? I, yeah. What did it mean, man? I mean, does it mean that they can save them from crisis? Or the stamp on the image of being in a crisis. Because mm-hmm. they that's what they kind of try to get out of, I feel like. That's the big thing. Pogba, Victor Lindelof, Mourinho. Um, they're playing with Young, Scott, McTominay. Yeah. You know, like, the harmony is not there. So maybe show that, yes, you know, this is the this is the man you. You know, we can't pull it off. Uh, it was a... Uh, they were down, classic, right? Yeah, classic United comeback in the end. Fergie time, as they call it, right? Yes. In fact, I believe that was... The first time that Manchester United have come from behind two goals to win since Ferguson was in charge. You see, lots of change since Ferguson. And, man, Ferguson, bro. You know, Ferguson. What a man, though. <laughs> Where are you going with this? No, I don't know. Like, I just <laughs> remember the time when Ferguson was um coach for Manchester United and the transparency in him about what's going on in the club and uh, the stories around the club. He was very transparent, you know what I'm saying? He was very open with it. You don't really see that much openness anymore if you look at Pochettino. doesn't really speak that much, you know? Um, Wenger, never ever have I really heard Wenger um, protecting himself or protecting... Uh, I think Wenger protects himself all the time. I don't know if he protects himself, man. Like, if he would protect himself, to me, he would come out and say, uh, blame on someone or, you know, say what the cause is. What is the real reason this shit is happening? I mean, remember that time when Ferguson responded to Owen Hargreaves' claims about it was the medical staff of Manchester United that was behind him. And his recovery wasn't well enough or fast enough, good okay. enough. Ferguson was kind of complaining about the staff. No. Uh, Owen Hargis was complaining. Oh, Hargis. Yes, Hargis was complaining. Uh, or Not complaining, but he was like, had a statement or said something about... Uh, the staff t- didn't do good enough. Good enough. And just hear out what uh, Ferguson said. We've been trying to analyse all the stuff he said this morning. And we're going to we'll have a club statement this afternoon to address that. But as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's, all it's worth is this. My medical staff are one of the main reasons Manchester United have been success, so successful in the last few years. There's absolutely no doubt about that. I've got a fantastic medical staff, great sports science. Do you think we'd be successful if we hadn't an operation that was 100%? Absolutely brilliantly done. The, the doctor and his, his, his five physiotherapists, sports science, they are fantastic. So that's, that's my opinion of Manchester United, and that's more important than anyone, uh, anyone else has got to say about it. But we will have a club statement this afternoon to address the, the issue of what he said. I actually did not know about that story. About, I knew Hargreaves had uh, injury problems, but I didn't know about this questions over the United medical staff. But uh, you said that... Nowadays, 
unlike with Ferguson's time, we didn't really have managers that were open or players come out open like that, right? You don't think Mourinho is like that at all? Mourinho? Mm, Maybe I'm I'm trying to think. I mean, he's very... Mourinho... He speaks his mind. He speaks his like. mind, like. but he's he's not really setting things clear, you know. Sometimes he does, though. I have to admit, right? I mean, he uh, he says sometimes that the lack of winning is because the professionality of the players or the level of the players' skills and stuff like that, you know, or the form even. He can sometimes point out. You know, the issues with the squad is, yeah, look at Bastian Schweinsteiger, right? Mm. You know, like, do you expect Manchester United to win Champions League when you have someone like him that is not really making into the team? So can I have a scapegoat sometimes, right. I feel like? Yeah, definitely. Was Schweinsteiger good enough to play for United? I think he was. Was he worth that treatment? I don't think he was worth that treatment either. But uh, it feels like with Mourinho is you know, same with Chelsea, right? Yeah, he yeah, kind of yeah. sold Mata because he thought Mata's defensive work was not good enough. I mean, he's we know about the uh, training staff accusations, right? That Mourinho did at Chelsea a couple seasons ago. Yes, yeah. true, uh, true. So. Even got one that uh, one one woman fired. Woman fired. Yeah, 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 yeah. Doc- was she a doctor? She was a doctor, yeah. Doctor, yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe you're right, though. Not as many managers are like that or players come out like that. But I saw recently that Owen Hargreaves came back to this issue again. And um, he was asked about that time when he had so much injuries. And we know that it was hard for him because he never really made it back, you know. He had a successful season at United, won Champions League, won the league. But after that, he never really came back. And there was one, it was one pity tried to make it a comeback. He was actually going to start a game. But so as soon as the game started, he actually asked for a sub. I don't know if he was a Champions League or Premier League, but I remember that as soon as the game kind of started, he was like, I can't do this. So he got a subbed out. That was his like comeback. And <laughs> he even tried to get his career going again at City, I believe, but that never really worked out either, and he basically had to quit. So he kind of came out recently and talked about that time. I suppose the luxury of deciding that he wanted to come back and play and then deciding again after a chat with Sir Alex to retire again, for you, it was taken out of your hands completely. Yeah, I mean, for me, my dad ended up playing football longer than I did. He still plays now. I mean, I I virtually had to retire (laughs) at probably, I think I was... The injury I got when I had it, when I found out my knee was really bad, I was probably 28. We had just come off winning the league in the Champions League and I found out how bad my tendon was. And I just couldn't, I just thought, remember the surgeon saying to me, I'm not sure you're ever going to come back from this. And I thought, what? What do you mean I'm never going to come back from this? I've been playing professional football for 10 years. And by the time I realised how bad it was, it was a salvage job for me. And sadly, I never made it back. I tried to come back. But I was uh, a bit like Prince, you know, when he started to change his name, he was formerly known as. Yeah. I, was, I was, should have been formerly known as Owen Argus because I wasn't the same. I tried to come back and I never made it. And for a player, these guys all know, you earn your living by working hard and playing and dedication and trusting, you know, using your body. And then it's almost like taken away from you in a flash. And it's weird to process because what gets you there is it's having those physical capabilities. And all of a sudden, the blink in the eye, they change. And it's, it's a weird thing to process, really, of 
to be there winning a Champions League yeah. and probably four months later, a surgeon saying to you, I'm not sure you're ever going to play again. Wow. I'm going to bring it back to that Matic goal uh, that won it for United against Crystal Palace yes. the other day. Excellent goal. He got a, I think, Pogba or someone cried, tries to cross the ball into the box. It got knocked back, popped out to Matic and on a half volley. It bounced a couple times on a half volley. He rifled it from about 25, 30 yards out uh, into the corner. Yeah. And first of all, one, what a great volley that was to win the game for United. I'm glad you mentioned Sir Alex Ferguson. Because I'm trying to think of other great volleys from Manchester United. From Manchester United, mm, interesting. Um, and the one that pops to my mind is the obvious one. Okay, I think wait, wait, the obvious wait, wait, wait. One. obvious one. Maybe I can guess it. Sure, sure. Go okay. for it. We did this a while ago. Let's do it again. Okay, so you have one volley in mind from Manchester yeah. United players during like Ferguson's, Ferguson's Ferguson's time. Okay, yeah. I was trying to think of which is honestly it's a big time period, <laughs> Ferguson's time, but. I was trying to think of another one. Another I know a few. More. I know a few. Yeah, maybe you, maybe the ones you say, maybe we'll remind. I'll remember them too. Okay, but so one big one. One obviously. big one uh, that I think you, my thinking of, is a game between Manchester United and Newcastle. No, but now see now I do remember that one now. When <laughs> a young when Rooney yeah, yeah, yeah. hits it outside the penalty box, he was he was so mad at the ref. He was mad at the ref and screaming at the ref, and then the attack kept going, and a cross came, and you can see by the replay how when Rooney hits that ball, like imagine hitting a volley as hard as you can, like really like bang it in, you know, like really bang it in, and. He goes straight upper 90, bro, on the left side. Oh, yeah. Wayne Rooney might be coming off for Manchester United. A little knock in the first half. Now that here's Rooney! Oh, my goodness me! That is one of the strikes of the season! Absolutely brilliant! Fantastic from Wayne Rooney! It's not often I'm speechless. But when you pay 28 million for a special talent, this is what you get. This is unbelievable. Cheek Evans, that side. Look. And it can't get anywhere near him. That's just stunning. Absolutely stunning. That's that's the goal I was thinking. No, but like I just said, you said that, and I, that reminded me of it because I knew there was more that there was, there was more. I just couldn't remember. Okay, and, so but there, that's not what I was originally thinking. Of. What were you thinking of? I mean, was it 2011? At Old Trafford, uh, Manchester Derby, United City. Wayne Rooney, you got the guy right. Yes, yeah, so he's good at it, bro. He did that bicycle kick, which. Is a volley. We don't normally call a bicycle kick a volley. I, would, I, I wouldn't call it a volley. But either, it is man. a volley. It is up it in is there, that's volley. for sure. So I'm counting it. But the, and that won the game for them too, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, there is one more. I know. I thought you would say some, something else. I, I, but there is one more. I know. Let's see if you can. I won't. It's and nice. I'll, it'll one, be after bro. you say it, and then I'll be like, oh, yeah, of course. I mean, who in that team? Could score volleys. <laughs> I guess all of them. <laughs> uh, well, I'm trying to think of one that like Ronaldo did, maybe or uh, Skulls or Gigs, but I couldn't clock. I'm sure there was more, but I can't just clock in my mind. Let me see if you remember this one. 
Manchester United corner. They put their foot on the throttle in the second Against half. Aston Villa. Look at the Army Wars old jerseys. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, skulls, that's right. I knew it. Like, I, I just, it's almost what I would imagine a Skulls goal to be like. <laughs> Him just sitting back, get off of a corner kick, he just thing, hangs back out, uh, outside of the box. Yeah, um, dude. And he just smashes it full volley straight out of the air. Well, the discussion this season has been was Drogba's the goal of the season? Was it Essien? For me, this is the goal of the season. It's absolutely unbelievable. He's got to be all of 25 yards out. He hits it with such sweet perfection. Kirai dives, hits the underside of the crossbar and goes in. What a fantastic goal. And what a fantastic player he's been for Manchester United over the years. World of the goal. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. definitely. That was a good one, right? That was a pretty good one. Yeah, it was. It Just was. to keep this going for a tiny bit more move it away from Manchester United though a little bit earlier in that decade because that Skulls one you just showed me was that was probably 2007 or so yeah you had like they Lewis, had the AIG yes you had Louis Saha <laughs> as a striker yeah yeah that era um but this isn't a Manchester United player this guy would never ever play for Manchester United but early in that decade like towards the beginning of that decade another volley can you think of who what I'm I mean, I mean Andre he'll ne- uh, that's too easy <laughs> yeah okay um Two guy, no, no. Two guy was one of the best volley strikers. Yeah, but he in the played league. for Manchester United. Cranchard. Oh, it? I know which one you're talking about. The Cranchard one. Yeah, yeah Cranchard. No? Oh, no, no, no. This guy wouldn't hate. He wouldn't be caught dead playing okay, for okay. Manchester United. Listen, he would not play for Manchester United. It would be a Liverpool player, maybe. A Liverpool player, uh, Steven Gerrard. I would assume has scored nice goals, man. He did. Against Olympiacos in the no, no, no. Champions League? No, 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 no. I don't think Yes, Steven Gerrard. In a big game. A very big game. Towards the beginning of that decade. Oh, this is a long time ago, though, man. Yeah, it was like 2000 okay. or 2001 or something. Mm. Like the, ball, the way Champions he hit League it. semifinal? Mm. No, I just said that, though. <laughs> <laughs> the way, once he hit the volley, uh, first time. It was it was almost the exact opposite of schools that you just showed. It was the ball didn't sort of loop up and rocket off the crossbar. Um, I don't even think the ball fell from that high. Mm. A drop. It was a little bit small bounce, and then he hit it and it just sort of arrowed just oh, above the ground. Yes, dude. This is like against Middlesbrough away, no home probably. I thought it was the FA Cup final. Was it? That's what I thought. Against Middlesbrough. I think so. Middlesbrough or like, oh, I forgot about that one. This is what you're talking about. That's not what I was talking about. Jeez, (laughs) this is the one that is nuts, dude. Oh, this is what you this is what you described, man. No, that's not. This is what you described. Bounce a little bit, but yeah, but it just sort of arrow. That one looped. That one. Okay, so who is it again? West Ham. That's what it was. West Ham. Yeah. Yes, that's it. Right? Yeah, now yeah. I remember this oh, yeah. one. This one is probably the fastest. You know? yeah, for sure, <laughs> I understand that, yeah. <laughs> this one is really nice, man. Like 30-yard volley against West Ham, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. That was, oh, what a great players, man, giving us so many amazing memories, you know? Um, and that's what we like to do, yeah. As weird as it is, 
Remember that volley. Remember that goal. <laughs> remember but. that red card. Remember that time when you missed open goal, Kerry. Which one? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man. Listen, the documentary for the Kenya is coming up, and it's full on. We are working on the editing of the video documentary and also the podcast. And um, last week we had Mo from Arsenal Fan TV on the show talking about the situation with the team and the club. And um, we just keep going with our journey, man. You know, it took us to Kenya. We've been to New York. And we've been talking to a lot of good interviews, right? So uh, one of those interviews happened build up to the Kenya trip. Yeah. As Oz just said, as you all know by now. Uh, the Kenya trip was a big thing that just happened and where we really went in depth to discuss Kenyan football and the whole situation there in Kenya. You know, someone might think why, right? And uh, actually, an Uber driver asked me why Kenya and I told him that the fans are crazy about football over there. You know, the people really love football. And if you look at Kenya and Nairobi, Mombasa, it's a very economical, strong country with good infrastructure and a booming, um, booming youth scene as well, you know, with art and music and football. And they have so many talents. But why cannot Kenya be a country to count on when it comes to qualifying to World Cup or um, African Cup of Nations? So we picked Kenya to understand the issues and problems, but we never would imagine how amazing a trip it would be for us personally and uh, the friends we made so it's gonna be amazing to show you guys the video documentary our pursue as a podcast artist but also show kenya's football environment as real as possible so look forward to that uh coming soon uh, coming soon. Soon, like coming soon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> premiere. <laughs> yeah, premiere soon. Um, to a theater near. I don't know. To a podcast. Uh, app app near you. Yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but like I said, uh, in the build up to that trip, for a few weeks before you were in Sweden, and you actually got to speak to a very special person, a special, I could say, guest on the show. Yeah, but I mean, remember when I mentioned his name to you first? Like, first time ever? Ever, yeah. I Yeah, I think so. I didn't know who he was, to you be didn't, honest. You didn't know. I, I don't blame you for, for it. But um, he has been a very important person in my life, even though he doesn't know it, right? He's a musician. He's a rapper. He's Sweden's biggest rapper of all time. And his musical talent and artistry and the way he writes lyrics and uh, his story, his background, everything is very real and authentic with Ken Ring. Ken Ring is sharing his story so well written and lyrical and the melodies of the song is just genius, bro. And uh, I feel like he's one of the top artists in Sweden. Doesn't really get that much recognition, but he's one of the top, top artists um, that been there, uh, been there, for me with his music. So when I went to Erebro, my hometown, in January, he had a concert, bro. So he had his concert, and uh, me and Dio, we went to his concert. We sat at 
crazy enough, I had my ticket, man. It was uh, row one, seat one. <laughs> <laughs> who gets that right but I, I eventually had a really nice seat and uh, it was him playing his songs but it was with piano and cello mm-hmm. I mean you like piano and cello music sure, sure. and imagine it's used correctly yes and imagine imagine um, kind of rap to it you know it was what he called a musical experience tour and his his final tour. So me and DR, I told him I gotta go backstage and talk to him. I gotta go up there after the show and speak to him and tell him about our Kenya trip because his mom is from Kenya, his dad is from Sweden, and Ken Ring is born in Sweden. So I was like, okay, he has ties with Kenya. I know he has a you know soccer team over there, a football team over there. So. Eventually, when the concert was over, me and my brother, we walked back stage and kind of waited for him, you know, kind of waited for him to come out and talk to his fans. And at one point there, you know, uh, I was nervous. I was like, will he come out? This is my chance. I should we go? No, I should stay. I, sh- I, need, I really need to speak with him and sh- shit, right? And eventually he came down and I introduced myself and I told him what we're going to do, what I'm trying to accomplish with Kenya. And he said, uh, oh, awesome, cool, man. Um, c- come and meet us. Come and hang out with us at the hotel. Um, so, you know, me and my brother went to the hotel. We had a drink. We chatted. We talked to him. Uh, explained why I'm doing it. Uh, explained, you know, our podcast. And, all you know, amazing person because... Right there, as we're sitting, he's actually taking out his phone and he's making phone calls. He calls Kenya. He talks to some people. He says, hey, this is my friend Oz and, you know, who blah, blah, blah. Talking to them just to tie connections and stuff, you know, and uh, just a genuine feeling to help, right? And uh, you don't see that often. People just talk bullshit, right? I'm gonna, I can't help you. I can do this and stuff like that. But... I really felt like he was genuinely interested. So the day after, me and Ken Ring had a chat. We had a talk. So I interviewed him for the podcast, for me and Carrie's sake, and for all of you guys to kind of understand what are we getting into? What is Kenya like? Mm. Uh, that was like our pre-research before we go there and to try to figure out what the hell are we going into man <laughs> you know and uh, his ba- his life and his story is encouragement for all of us and uh, the we are in this together and hopefully you guys like it and enjoy it and if you do subscribe to the show leave a comment and just keep listening to us as we share the message of love and football to all of you so this is ken ring fascinating interview a man that knows his football is passionate about football and is passionate about Kenya. Brought to you from a hotel restaurant in Orobro. But before we go into the interview with Ken Ring at the hotel restaurant, we just need to show you guys this clip from Wenger after the loss against Brighton last weekend at the press conference. What the fuck is he talking about? It's not a time for players to dig deep and make sure they hit the floor running to overcome any physical frailty to... to Pull on Look. their mental reserves and really show people that they're, they're capable of getting asked out of this situation. 
I, it's difficult for me uh, at the moment to get into any uh, negative assessment, you know. I, I think uh, the team needs more support at the moment. Tough uh, objective judgment as well, but uh, uh, when you struggle confidence, uh, uh, it's more, it's difficult as well. When you have just uh, the trousers on, it's different. It's easy to take them trousers off as well. But when you're naked completely, I think you have to find the shirt and put it, try to put it on again, and uh, that you're dressed normally again. So uh, it's always uh, the environment around the team uh, when we go through a tough period like that is always uh, to put them more down. You know. But, uh. Thank you for listening to the third episode of season three. You are here with us. Thank you again from Oz and Kings Football Podcast. Alright, I'm sitting here with Sweden's best rapper of all time. I mean, no doubt Ken is the best rapper of all time. Ken, thank you, thank hi, you. How are you doing, man? Good, good, how are you? I'm good too, man. I'm good too. Yesterday, dude, yesterday, um, me and my twin brother went to your concert. Yes. And um, immediately, I got emotional. Yeah. Like immediately after the first song, off the bat, I was like, man, this is going to be so good. And the name of your tour is A Musical Experience. Yeah. You've been an artist now for like 30 years. Yes. So with this tour, what do you want to accomplish? What do you want to show the Basically, people? Basically, I just want people to hear the music for real and not hear just just beats and uh, and drunk people you know i want you i want people to hear the, the the lyrics behind the whole thing yeah yeah and the lyrics behind um your songs are super personal man yeah man i always did personal music i feel like uh, music is good when it's personal yeah and uh, even on the stage a few times you were i mean choking up a little bit or crying or failing a tear so it's yeah. definitely real for you you know um, yeah man you know like you know basically the songs is about my life so it's very hard to to not to cry you know yeah totally totally and um, um, when you started off right um, it's never easy as a artist to start off you know the many people try and fail but um, before you got like signed you produced you got the first big album right um, can you tell me about those years, like the struggle, the, what challenges you had? You know, those it's years? like I think that basically, like you know, the years that when you start is 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 a very, it's a very good process because you know you you feel like you're nothing and you really want to chase that big dream, and, and chasing that big dream is 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 like uh, that's what motivates you to do better music. So, right. so being not famous is actually easier to make music than being famous to make and making music. You know? I see. I see. And you always talk about your like your friends and and you know your homies. Um, talk about them a little bit more now, man. No, my friends and homies come from the ghetto. We we are grown up with criminal criminals and, and and drugs and and you know it's so it's like basically for us that's a normal life and yeah. other people see us as like abnormal, but but a normal life for us that's being on the streets. You know, we are, we are street children, all of us and. And we came from the gutter, and we're still there, you know. And 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 the respect there, man. The respect, the honesty sometimes, and yeah. and you know, you never backstab someone. You know what I mean? Um, you, you find a lot of times loyal 
brothers, you know? Yeah, of course, but you know, basically, I know that the brothers that the brothers you have around you when you have nothing yeah. is actually the brothers that you will always have around you. you know? Right, right. Yeah. And um, um, now you're doing tour, you have more cities to go to. Yeah. Um, what is the next step after this, man? After this, I'm just going to relax for some time. I'm, yeah. I feel like I need a vic- like I need some time off and just focus on my family and kids. And you know, it's like we have to we have to continue life. And my life in music is 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 reaching its end. So I have to pick up now the rest of the life. You know? yeah. yeah, I mean, I feel like sometimes when I think about you, is like um, you come to a stage like um, almost like you know, <laughs> it's like. Uh, Sweden's Tupac, or now you're becoming like Dr. Dre in a bit, you know what I mean? You're done, you produced, you Yeah, you but you know, I, I had a studio before I was rapping, I produced music before I was rapping, so I, I want to get back to, into that and, and not being the artist, Kenring, that everyone yeah. talks about me and my personal life. And now I want to focus on like other people's music, other people's careers, and, and be a part of building people instead of just being the guy, you know? Yeah, respect, man, respect. And, um, you know, you, growing up in Sweden for you, man, um, or even when you talk about media, the artist can ring, I feel like most of the times you've been not portrayed in a, the right way or praised in the right way in the media or whatever, right? Um, and I feel like there's also similar things happened to our biggest football player, Slatin Ibrahimovic, over the years. I mean, what the guy had made and produced and showed the world what he can do not really the biggest um, backup from the media or the, from the country. I mean, can you talk about a little bit, like, how you felt the me- media portrayed you a little bit? Because I, I feel like, you know, like, I, I remember these um, old-ass uh, interviews when it's at the TV or stuff like that, you know, they were always like, oh, you talking about this and that, and you're like, no, man, I'm just talking about how it is really out there, so... Mm-hmm. Could you see it from a different perspective, you know, like... You know, like, people get scared of, 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 of street life, and, and I, am a, I am a street child, so it's, so it's, very, it's very difficult to not to be that. And when, when people look at you as a street child, they always get the, you know, the thoughts and the blah, 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 and the, yeah, he's like this, he's like that, he's like what. And, of course, that also reflects on the media because media just follows what people say. Yeah. And media just follows rumors, you know. Media is not a facts, you know. It's just like rumors and, and so. But basically, I've learned also to just brush them off, you know. Like, I, I don't really care about media. I don't really care about radio, TV because, you know, they do their thing, I do my thing, and, you know. I'm focusing on my thing. I'm not focusing on what the fuck media is writing. Because exactly. if I would focus on that, I'll be just crying every day. You know? Yeah, and you will be a part of what they want to yeah, instead yeah, of doing yeah. your own art. Yeah, yeah totally. Totally. Um, you know, um, we're sitting here right now. And the reason we kind of sitting and chatting, man, is also um, uh, you have kids. Yeah. I've seen some pictures on your Instagram where you're watching football with them. Uh, you had one of your videos, them kicking the ball. Um, you're into football, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I like, I, yeah, I'm me personally, I'm not into so much to football, but I believe that football and, and music is, 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 especially in Europe and Africa, it's, it's a very good way of trying to make it in life because, you know, opportunities from studying and opportunities for work is not there. And yeah. You need a talent, and, you know, if you get that football talent, if you get that 
music talent, you can actually make something out of your life. And so I, I believe that football is a very, very important part of, of the ghetto and a very important part of of uh, people with not so much money. You know, like yeah. that's a way of making it. And and football is something that everyone can play. You know, football is just a round football, and you can even make a football from from nothing. You know, you just take some tape and, and, and just, you know, stick it together and make a ball and everyone can find a ball and I think that is that is what I like about football. You don't and also music, you don't really need the money, you don't really need that support. You just need a ball, man, you know? Yeah. Or you just need a mic. So it's 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 a very easy way of making it if you don't see the opportunities in life in the ghetto where you're from. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and now you uh, traveling to Kenya pretty often and uh, you are um, uh, your mom is from Kenya your yeah. dad is Swedish right and um, um, so now you go how often do you go now to Kenya uh, I go like once per month basically roughly once per month yeah, yeah. and uh, um, you mentioned yesterday to me that you have a football club over there yeah I have a football club right now most of my players left for the teams because I'm not really there now but Yeah, we have about 75 players and, and people from from very rough backgrounds and from very rough situation in life. But can you give me an example? Basically, Kenya, you know, the kids I have around me, they they don't have food, they don't have balls, they don't have shoes, they don't have clothes, they don't have money for school fees, they don't have you know even have food, you know. So it's so it's, I think it's a. Uh, Football in that perspective is a very good way of of of, of, read, of of trying to get people at least to have fun in their life, mm. and I think my club basically is just is more of of a charity project for my heart that that when you think like hey you know I need yeah, to do something for these kids and it's it's very easy to just throw a ball and let them play you know and, and buy some jerseys and, and some shoes and, and and I think what I'm doing in Kenya is. I think it gave a lot to those guys. Like some of these people are now in the in the national league, and so people are playing in, in good divisions. And so I really believe that that the football is is a very good tool for me in Kenya to use for for these young kids. You know? Yeah, and you know, me and Kerry, we really want to go to Kenya to kind of understand the football scene. You know, like the football people. We know that. Um, Kenyan people really love football. And it's a big interest. Yeah, for football. It. You know, basically, it's because of the English and the British colony, colon, colonization of Kenya. Yeah. It's they left some parts of their culture in Kenya, and football is one, and tea is one, and yeah. you know, like they, they really, they really put some some of their culture in Kenya because they were there so long, and and now you know you have football fields. It's a law that you have to have a football field if you have a school. Yeah. It's it's a. Uh, It's football fields are everywhere. Kids are playing football everywhere, and it, the passion is there. The problem of football in Kenya yeah. is more of the corruption. That's me. Yeah, tell me more about that, man. Tell no, it was like uh, the corruption may basically means that if you are young and talented, but you don't have money, yeah, you will never go to a good club because you need to pay off the coach, pay off the the, the, the trainers, pay off everyone. And so, like, if you look at if you look at some of these top teams. Some of them are not even black, you know, because you know Kenya is just black people. But but you know some some Indians have money, some white people have money. Yeah. So they just pay their way up to to the good level of, of football, and and basically it, it it gives you like a at the end of the day when you, when people reach national level and when they reach 
like national team and everything. No one gets there because they quit. Okay. Because there's no really support. There's no good team that wants them because they're not paying. They don't have money to sustain themselves. They don't have, you know, it's like you play football, you have fun, but then they reach a point where you're like, okay, now I'm getting grown up and yeah. I need to decide what to do in my life. If you don't have money, football is not it's not available. You know what I mean? And and and, and that is that is the biggest challenge that Kenya is facing in football because mm -hmm. we never made it to the World Cup. We never, made, but that's only because of corruption. Yeah. That's not because of there's no talent. If we would neutralize the talent and, and keep them going and support them from from the five, six, seven, like in Sweden, and yeah. and go all the way up to the 18, we'll ha we'll probably be in the World Cup. Right. But but you know it's like if you don't have money when you pass thirteen fourteen then you have to make a decision. Just, make it, just go yeah. back to school, man. Yeah. Because even if you have the best talent, ain't no team gonna want you if you don't pay them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the what the bad side of corruption because corruption sometimes is nice for people with money, but now if you don't have talent and you have money, you can still go to the big teams. So you even you're telling me basically that I mean, um, it's one thing to have money to play for a team or for a club. But you actually need to kind of have money to even pay off the coach or pay yeah. off the club or the president or yeah. whatever to, you, you get need to, to be a part of the squad. Yeah, because everyone, corruption is in Kenyan's genes, you know, it's in the bloodstream. And if you don't have money, you don't go anywhere, man. You know, yeah. that's like, like my, I, have a, I have a guy in Kenya, he was waiting for an ID. To make an ID, he was waiting like nine months. Mm. I got my ID in one day. For real? Yeah, yeah, just put an iPhone yeah. on the table and say, hey, take yeah. this, this for your wife. Yeah. Then and my ID it. was out same day, and you know it's it's okay for people. It's money. I understand they like it, but they don't see the backside of it because it also makes a lot of other people suffer because they exactly. don't have the money. Yeah, yeah, and and you know now when me and Kate are gonna go there, we really want to see everything. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We don't wanna fucking hold back. You know, we wanna see and feel and learn exactly how it is so yeah but the problem is like if 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 you go to kenya it's most of the football that is real is is, is hidden you know so you really have to find it you have to search hard because the people that you will meet and the people that will guide you yeah they will always guide you for their own benefit you know they, they won't guide you because of what you want yeah they will guide you because of what they want will you, you know? help me yeah of course man i'll link you up with some people yeah know? yeah yeah um so you know i'm really um, excited because I think it was like one and a half years ago, one one and a half years, two years ago. I was like, you know, kind of for me too. Living in Atlanta, it was like felt lonely. You know, it was a dark time, it was a hard time for me, for myself, right? Mm. And um, seriously, man, I um, I, uh, I listened to your music, I read your book, and um, it inspired me so much. It's inspired me as in like. Hey, listen to me. I done this kind of for you. You know what I mean? And um, um, with that, you know, I felt so much strength, motivation. You know, okay, grind, grind, hustle, hustle, try, take risks, take chances. You know, so to be actually able to sit here after like one year and to talk to one of my role models is pretty big. I really appreciate what you all done. Yeah, no problem, man. You know, it's like I think you just have to chase your dream, man. Chase yeah. your dream and, and and just go for it. I don't believe in, in 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 second thoughts, you know. Like first thought is, I want to go there. Just go, man, you know. Yeah. Because life life is short, you know, and life is around the corner. So if you don't go and grab it, you're just gonna end up being being bored and being, you know, like restless and yeah. going into a same routine life like a wheel that just spins and spins and spins, but you never go anywhere. And I think that like 
you know, chasing your dream and just going for what you want is yeah. it's one of the most important things in life. Yesterday, one of your songs, you were like, it's easier if you know where you go. You know what I mean? You mm. said, and, you know, it's, it's one of the parts where I feel like, finally, I feel like we are on a mission. You know what I mean? You have done your stuff, but now you're going to have other artists. Hopefully, I can be the artist to put keep going with what you've done. You know what I mean? And um, I, I feel, you know, when you look at your career or even your personal life, when you have been in the really bottom, right? When you felt like, man, how did I end up here? How did I came here? I'm almost risking losing everything, family, music, career, all this. And at that part, there are a lot of people out there in poverty, having a hard time, work. Um, how did you pick yourself up, man? I think, I think music picked me up. I'm, you know, my passion was always music since I was young. I was a dancer. I was, uh, I was always like, uh, I was always uh, a guy who was into music, and and I think that that the most important thing is just to, it's like, uh, just motivate yourself, man. You know, like go for it. Like me, I always music was always a part of my life, so I never understood why should I go for school? Why should I? Go and look for work. Fuck that, man. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm in music, and that's my life. Yeah, yeah. And in 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 it, sometimes like you don't really need that success either to to like get inspired and get like you know you just need a you just need a, a life, you know, like a normal life, and you and you will see you'll pick like what to inspire you from. And, and that's what I always say, just go for it, man. Yeah? Forget about second thoughts. We will, man. We will go for it. You know yeah, what I'm saying? We're going to go and take the chance. And, uh, yeah, you're doing your last tour, man. But the last couple of albums you've done, like the last one, like uh, uh, I Love, you know? I feel like you have, you see, your life is from a totally different perspective now. You, you, you always had shared this love, but now you're actually coming from a part where, you know, let's go for it. There's more love as in uh, show to yourself, but also to all the other people, you know what I mean? You, I feel like you are now in the rise of like, let's love each other, you know? Yeah, of uh, course, uh, but you know, you have to understand, I've lived a life from the ghetto with a heart, with a lot of hate and with a, yeah. lot, of, with a lot of negative things. And, and I'm 38 today, I have five yeah. children. I don't have time to sit and hate everything and you know it's no, just, exactly i don't want to die with a with, with a hate you know mm. i want to die with a smile and with yeah. love so that's why i want course, you to keep going man yeah man you know you know uh, also at the end of the day people also have to understand when i say i'm quitting yeah that doesn't mean i'm quitting music right. i'm quitting ken ring yeah. as an official guy who goes out on tour and release albums but yeah. it also it also means that i will make more work in the studio mm. sit in the studio uh, 24 hours a day instead of sitting there two hours a day yeah. and, and I'll, I already signed one of the, some of the biggest, biggest Swedish artists to my label so I want to basically but you know it's, as long as I'm Kendring people yeah. will always have some second thoughts of signing with me or working with me because they always be under Kendring mm. but now if I if I cut Kendring to the side there's no rapper in the whole Sweden that won't work with me you know because then, I, then there's no competition with me, you know? So it's e actually easier for me to build a label without being an artist than it is to build a label as an artist. I got you. I understand. Yeah. I understand. I understand. 
So that's your future vision to have more artists underneath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I just built one of the biggest studios in Stockholm. I, you know, I'm working harder with music now as I'm quitting. Can mm-hmm. ring. I'm working like double than what I used to do. So I think people will also okay. First, well, well, Ken, don't quit, don't quit. But at the end of the day, I'm still there. But it just means I'm behind it instead of just being the front figure. And, yeah. and I'm tired. I'm 40 years old. I can't even go and buy milk without people taking a picture with me. And, yeah. and it's been like that since '98. So it's, it's just 20 now? years. Yeah. It's not, it's, I, okay. I always, I always, I always like my fans, and I appreciate totally. everyone who wants a picture with me. But I also need a life. You know? yeah, yeah. I also need. I also need to be walk into town and buy some jeans without people saying Ken went to town and bought jeans. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's time for me. And also, don't get it wrong. I did 15 albums, 600 songs. So I did my part, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm and I'm I'm not looking back at my career and and being like, oh, did I do enough? Oh, why why should I really quit? No, man. There's a time for everything, and exactly. my time to quit as a rapper is coming. You know, mm-hmm. it's coming. Then I'm not quitting tomorrow. I'm doing an album as we speak, and I'm, mm-hmm. so I'm not like, but I'm. I'm seeing the end yeah. coming, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. and uh, <laughs> from being on the streets and uh, being a kid and not really know what the future holds, but you always stick to your music, and now, 30 years later, come out, kind of coming to a circle. How, how do you feel about that, man? You know, it's, it's, it's life is a long process. Life is a long process, and, you know, it, it, there's always steps that people have to take and and I'm seeing the steps, you know what I mean? So it's 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 all love man. It's yeah. all all love man. All those years and all these last years and it's just love and you know I'm still walking down the street and getting love from people, yeah. you know. At the end of the day I think even if I quit they still will love me, you know. What I mean? We will man. We will. Hey. Let's go about your interview for it. Ja, det är lugnt, lugnt, jag visar det sen. Ja, vi kör efter intervjuet. Ja, ja, ja. Like that. Ja, man. That's what you mean. Exactly. Ja, 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 ja. And, hey, listen. We're gonna go to Kenya on Tuesday. We're excited, but for us it's like, you know, it's kind of like doing something different, coming out of the shell giving us ourselves a chance you know to mm. actually live on this um, for all the up and coming artists out there what do you want to say to them and we can maybe finish off this cool interview yeah. you're talking to have a monologue we're talking to mm. to all of us you know I'm saying like uh, the best advice I have for people in music is is just chase your dream man don't 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 let people around you discourage your own thoughts and beliefs and dreams. You know, like just go for it. Forget what people say. They they don't they are not living your life. So don't let them affect your life so much. And and also for people who wants to play football, you know, just just keep that ball around you, man. You know, it's, it's even if even if teams don't want you, even if, if if the school team don't want you, whatever, you know, just hold that ball under your arm and go to a pitch and play, man. You know. It's like you always have to just continue. I think life is about continuing, and you know, it's if you give up, and then then you can't be you, you can't sit there and be depressed if you were the one who gave up. Go for it, man. Go Fuck it, it like you know. Yeah. There's no second thoughts. Let's do it. Yeah, man.
Kenring, älskling, förlåt för det som pappa har skrivit. Men fan, jag kan ingenting annat här i livet. Kriminalitet och rapmusik är mina val. Nummer ett sen dag ett, jag var var i SA. Jo, jag skrev för mina bröder och systrar. Och för dem, låt mig be om lite tystnad. Låt mig släppa ut en sista legend Legend som alltid vandrar där jag bor Legenden är nog inte den som de tror Nej det är min bror Och jag saknar han så ofta Det bar genom det här som vi nu brukar softa Berättelsen om en mörk korridor på en bakgård Jag vet i vilket rum som det alltid nu har varit så En sår som alltid blöder genom hjärtat varje dag En bår som alltid bär på våra bröder till en grav En tår som alltid faller här som löven varje dag En låt som aldrig hörs när våra söner är må bra Och det gör de fan aldrig Alla lövar nästan fan att rädda dem som är kvar Jag svär det går aldrig, jag förstår aldrig Det låter hårt kanske Men det är svårt att hålla handen så hårt Fan det känns som ingen ens bryr sig om sig själv Från en cell direkt till en frihet i hell Yeah